dancing, nashes, stretching. Welcome to Homemakers Chic, (laughs) where we are rescuing the art of homemaking from the daily grind. We're going to talk about a lot of daily grind today. Uh, We are rescuing this fine art of homemaking from the daily grind with red lips and no jumpers. We're going to talk about both of those things today. Mm-hmm. Very important. I am Angela Reed of the blog Parisian Farm Girl, found at ParisianFarmGirl.com. You're going to have to check the show notes for the spelling. I was just going to say. <laughs> not helpful. Mm-hmm. And I am joined by Shay Elliott, spelled very simply, mm-hmm. of the Elliott Homestead blog at TheElliottHomestead.com. Hey, mm-hmm. girl. Hi. How are you today? You're- I am good. I am. Mm. I'm good. I'm um, frolicking about in a huge pile of hydrangea that I'm decorating the house with. Like I am decking the halls with beautiful sepia toned hydrangea. And I can see you are rocking an apron that I haven't seen yet. Mm. Yes, very, this is a thrift store apron. Very cute. Um, you know, my my little French apron, it was called the Bistro apron and it has yeah, yeah. Paris on it, had red and blue stripes. Mm-hmm. Um, it died because I wore it every day for five years. And this one is this nice, heavy, like sack cloth kind of fabric. Yes. But I it's Italian. That. So I'm repping my it's, Italian flag instead of my French flag today. It's very, very cute. I, you can't see it because I have a sweatshirt over the top from um, being cold outside cutting hydrangea, uh-huh. but I'm, I've already got the plaid out. Oh, yes, you do. It's cloudy. And the color here in Door County is off the hook. Mm-hmm. Purples and oranges and yellows. And it's just like they're almost neon against the dark, cloudy skies. And it's just mm. gorgeous. I got, I got all pretty. the fall vibes going on here. Okay. That's nice. It is okay. Thursday. It is October. It is. October is going by like a like a blur. <laughs> it always it, does. It's going to be Valentine's Day, like tomorrow. Stop. I I tell you, it's just freaky. Stop. So that's what we're doing. We're we're rescuing. Okay. Because we have, uh, we're homemakers. We have a lot of responsibility. And Shay and I are passionate about walking with you, the listener, every day through what you do and being here to encourage you to enjoy this wonderful career of homemaking and make it as chic as you can. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, in that note, uh, one of the ways Shay and I keep our homes très chic is with Jovial Foods, and they are a sponsor of today's show. Shay and I love baking with einkorn flour, and that is what Jovial Foods is most known for. But did you know that you can also stock your pantry with Jovial, with delicious beans and olive oils and treats, uh, what I call bailout food, like pre-made <laughs> crackers and cookies and pasta. Delicious, award-winning. Is it award-winning? Well, we're giving it an award. Should be. Uh, I think it is, pasta. actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Gluten-free pasta, which is taking the gluten-free world by storm. And for those of you that are just hardcore bakers and you have not baked with einkorn flour, we invite you to do so. Visit jovialfoods.com. Give them a whirl. I will give you a bit of advice that Shay gave me when I ordered my first few pounds of einkorn flour is get the cookbook with your first order Mm -hmm. because that's going to really acclimate you to how this flour absorbs fats and liquids delicious recipes in there that I use in my kitchen every week. 
jovialfoods.com. We love them. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show. Yes, we love Jovial. And actually, it might not be today, it might be tomorrow, but I am doing a YouTube video where I'm baking with whole grain, like the little wheat berries that Jovial Mm -hmm. sells. So I stock up on those. I show you how to grind them and how to make like an everyday yummy fall loaf with sorghum and freshly ground einkorn and it's super good. So if you need a little baking inspiration, go watch. On the blog this week, I have um, maple thyme scones made with einkorn coming. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I told you, I got my fall. Let's get baking. My fall groove on. (laughs) Got your fall feels on. Today's episode is also brought to you by Toops & Co., which is another way that we stay chic in homemaking. This is your one-stop online shop for all of your organic, natural, yummy, from-the-earth skincare and makeup. So if you don't wear makeup, have no fear because Emily has created an entire line of super clean skin serums and face balms. Um, She has a shampoo bar and a dry shampoo actually that's coming out. So there's still all kinds of yummy stuff. You have to try the frankincense face balm. It's made with tallow and frankincense oil and it is so good for under your eyes or, you know, those 11s between your eyebrows. Not that Mm -hmm. any of us have those. And if you do wear makeup, (laughs) no, Make sure you check out Toops & Co.'s mineral makeup, um, <clears throat> mascaras, eyeshadows, lipsticks, eyeliners, all of that clean stuff. Emily utilizes the power of nature through grass-fed tallows and essential oils, olive oils, all organic ingredients, super clean. So a great way that you can bless your house is just to stock your bathroom and your makeup bag with these super clean makeup and skincare items. Go check them out toopsandco.com that's t-o-u-p-s and co.com and use the coupon code homemaker and you can get 10% off your order just for being wonderful mm-hmm. and if you need some red lips red wine is the color yes red wine is the color go check that out that is a great red lipstick um i'm actually sweating and, uh, speaking right now <laughs> thinking about okay. talking about today's topic it's like taking me back to times <laughs> i think we should pour some wine before we go too far i was gonna say speaking of red wine speaking of it. red wine let's pour a glass shall we thomas jefferson says good wine is a necessity of life for me well, i couldn't cook good sir <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jefferson. I concur, Mr. Jefferson. <laughs> okay, the wine music's playing, Angela. Okay. Right. <laughs> do you have your wine? <laughs> I have my wine. I do. Okay. Well, this is the part of the podcast where we encourage you to pour a glass with us, be it coffee or tea or wine or sparkling water or whatever it is that makes you feel fabulous. But we're going to dive into conversation today. So have a little beverage at hand, won't you? We are sipping some wine today from our very favorite supplier of wine, Dry Farm Wines, which is an online wine company that will ship you yummy wines in the mail. These are organic wines, naturally yeasted, old world, no added sugar, no added nothing. 
super clean, no garbage wines from all around the world. Did you know, Angela, that next week, yes, ma'am, we get to share a very special code with our listeners. So you guys stay tuned for this because they have Dry Farms has packaged a Thanksgiving wine, little special package grouping of wines that is specifically chosen to help you enhance your Thanksgiving table, which I think is so cool. I'm going to get it for sure. Heck yeah. Yes. Um, I went to the uh, cheese, the wine and cheese shop the other day for cheese and just for fun, wandered the aisles. <laughs> Must have looked like the biggest dork because I kept grabbing each bottle and flipping over the back. And I wasn't price shopping. I yeah. was sugar content sugar shopping. Sugar content shopping. Yeah. 14.5%, 14%, 14.5%, 14%, 14.5%, 14%. And what's the bottle you're holding now? What does it read? This is 11.5%. So that's one of the beautiful things about Dry Farm Friends is there is no added sugar to increase the alcohol content Mm -hmm. and make it, you know, not as healthy for you anymore. Mm -hmm. So this is... Okay, Shay, ask me. Okay, so before you tell me what you're sipping, that 11.5% bottle, listeners... If you are brand new here, I want you to go check out dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic. And I want you to give Dry Farms a test run. You can do that by ordering three, six, nine or 12 bottles. And with that first order, you're going to get an extra bottle for a penny just for giving Dry Farms a shot. And if you are new or if you're old rather to Dry Farms, if you're already a customer, which so many of you are. I want you to get a pen and a paper because Angela's going to tell you a very special wine that she's sipping right now that you can request to be on your next order. Did you know that? You can add bottles to your order saying, hey, I really like this one. Send that to me again. If you have your life together and you do that kind of thing. Okay. What are you sipping? What are you sipping today? today? (laughs) (laughs) What are you sipping, Angela? I am sipping... um, Eric Chevalier. So this is the Vintner. It's a Val de Loire. So it's from the Loire Valley in France. And this is a 2018 Chardonnay. Now, mm. I'm not typically a Chardonnay girl. Uh, and that's, you know, maybe from back in the day when I was just drinking, like, you know, like when you first, when you first start drinking wine, I don't know about you, but I started with white wines. Yes. Because red, red was not of interest to me. It just kind of like, ew, yuck. Um, I was young, early 20s, and we had a local uh, winery that we would go to and try the wines. And the Chardonnay just always tasted the same. They just I just didn't care for them at all. So I've steered away from them for many years just because I had kind of put them in a classification. I don't like Chardonnay. Um, and to me, it sort of has like this stigma, you know, girls night, buy the biggest, cheapest bottle you can and just mm-hmm. drink Chardonnay all night. It's just not my thing. So I was intrigued when this came in my... Um, box and you guys when you get your dry farms box it is so much fun the packaging is so elegant and mm-hmm. it's so fun to pull out each bottle and see what they've surprised you with and so this one I thought okay I'm going to open my mind <laughs> to Eric Chevalier and his Chardonnay here um, so again from the Loire Valley which I'm sort of sentimentally attached to and it was very very good his wine is um a lot of his wines have like they they grow in quartz and um, a very like sedim- sedimentary igneous. How do you say that? Igneous. 
I'm not an mm-hmm. igneous. I'm yeah. a homeschool mom. I should igneous uh, <laughs> rock. So that's what a lot of his wine is grown in. But the other half of his crop, including his Chardonnay, is grown in vines that are planted in a very granite heavy and sand and silt heavy soil. So I was really intrigued by that. Um, this is, did I say it was a 2018? 18. And it's grown just on three hectares. And that's something that so really tiny. It just always surprises me about these vintners is how small of a production. But, you know, when we had Todd on for the interview, he was saying that um, because they're naturally yeasted, they're not they're using the yeast from the grape. They're not adding any additional yeast that they have to keep production small because when you go really big, then you run the risk of ruining the batch, basically. Mm-hmm. But three hectares, my goodness. Um, These wines, you know, they're aged from eight to 12 months before they're released to the public. And it's, it's, like I said, a natural fermentation. They're never racked. They're never filtered. So they're going to be a little bit, this is maybe going to be a little bit more of a cloudy Chardonnay than you're interested Mm -hmm. in. But I would say, if you enjoy Chardonnay, add this one to your oil. And for those of you that are new to wine. Not your oil. did I say oil? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking That's of why bashes of like all of quality oil. control here, you guys. Hello, quality control. Right? But yes. Chardonnay does go really well with fish and seafood. And um, it goes really well with the fattiness of salmon. So I did enjoy this with the salmon dish that we prepared mm. the other night. So Yum. Yes. Yes, ma'am. That sounds like a fun one. Can you show me the label? Yes, it's cool. Person. It's got like a silhouette of an orange tree on it. Oh, I haven't had this one. That's why I love getting my box. It's like a surprise. I'm like, ooh, yeah. what do we have? It's like a little present. And even that they grow on these such small spaces, it does feel like a gift almost. Like you, you have this, you get, you know, what, 500 bottles or whatever from that amount of space. And you're going to let me have one? Wow, I know. that's so special. That's, <laughs> it is. It's very special. Mm-hmm. It really is. I um, I love the Loire Valley. <laughs> I did the Loire Valley in about 12 hours once. Mm. Rented a car, bonsaied it down the river, saw as many chateaux as I could in one day. Joel and I and my cousin turned around, came home and went back to Paris. Exhausted. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Angela While and I were, we talking- were driving back. Oh, go ahead. No, listen, this is on my I I don't you know, I have like trigger things. I don't like like she shed. There's certain expressions I don't like. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Yes. Bucket list also rubs me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Just saying. If I had a bucket list, though, when we were driving back towards tour to get on the train and go back to Paris, there was a hotel on the left hand side of the road. I'll never forget it. I can see it clear in my mind built into the rock. (laughs) like the doors this hotel was totally like petra or something like built into the rock it's it's on my list i don't know what town it was (laughs) but you're gonna i don't know i'm just gonna drive down the highway one day and find it again and just pull over and stay i'm assuming if it's built into the rock and everything's gonna be all right (laughs) yes it'll still be there you're gonna be fine um angela and i were talking before we started recording (laughs) that uh France is on my poo-poo list today. I'm quite angry. It's not on your bucket list. In my world policing 
anger kind of a way because <laughs> they have officially just ixnayed all homeschooling, which is stupid. There's my intelligent argument. That is so dumb. Stupid. France, that is a stupid move. That's all. Just, and just that's, how, that's how Shay won debate. <laughs> <laughs> this is dumb. This is dumb. What a stupid thing to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so Stu and I just ordered this camera and I had been looking at this camera for a long time. I'd found one at a certain price. Stu finds one online for a better price. So he's like, let's order this one. And I'm like, no, because it's never a cheaper price. There's always a hidden cost. And he's like, no, Mm. I think it's going to be fine. Let's do it. So he orders it. The day passes. We get a call from New York, which is where this company was. And they're like, it's this guy. And his name is, I can't even make this up. His name's Tony. And he's like, let me try to do my accent here. He's like, I know where this is, is going. this Stuart? Oh is this gosh. Stuart? And he's like, yes. And he's like, are you international? Are you international? And he's like, no, I'm in America. And he's like, well, you got the international model. That's not what you want. You don't want the international model. The one you want's nine hundred dollars more. <laughs> and he's like, but let me tell you, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Forget you're gonna, about you're it. You're going to pay the $900, but I'm going to give you two, two memory cards for free. Okay, <laughs> I can't breathe. Stop it. It was the best accent in the entire world. <laughs> I'm not even mad about the money. It was, it was so worth it to hear him. <laughs> Oh, so good. Oh, so funny. She can't lead, read wine labels. Nope. But, she, but Tony from New York. That's she right. Got this. That's right. Exactly. Why oh was I goodness. even telling that story? I can't even I don't remember. Know. Did we tell them where to get their wine? I don't. What are we even talking about? Um, no. Go to dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic and tell Tony we said hello. Just kidding. Just kidding. Know. His you name went, is Todd. You went from the Loire Valley to uh, homeschool laws in may- France to Tony and his hot camera. I don't remember. Under one. A oh, I think it's because we Jersey. said we were joking and we said stupid. Whatever. It's fine. Um, OK, ladies, we're going for it today. Gird your loins. Ooh, OK, so. We have had a topic requested over and over and over and over again um, that. I won't say we've avoided, but it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I'm still so fresh out of it that it's really hard for me to talk about. <laughs> I didn't, um, we're going to talk even, about. I don't know. I get. Go ahead. What? You get what? <laughs> I would say there's still like a, at least a calf down in there. We're going to talk about being oh, in the trenches yeah. today. And I wouldn't say I'm oh, out. Yeah, we're not I out of like it. There's a, no. there's a limb still stuck in oh. there for sure. I'm like in the quicksand. Yeah, maybe a little bit of my sanity. Yeah. Yeah, so. we've had a lot of requests to talk about uh, life with small kids. Mm-hmm. And we call it being in the trenches. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of you are procreating right now. Good on ya. Well, maybe not right now. Well, that'd be a weird background <laughs> music, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Um, I don't, can't remember if I told this story before, but I went to a baby shower a couple of months ago and it was for a beautiful friend of mine who had had a really hard time getting pregnant and then surprise got pregnant didn't even know mm-hmm. until her second trimester that she was pregnant it was really a special oh my gosh story. those people it was really special but um yeah so i'm at this baby shower and i'm sitting in a group of women two of whom are pregnant actually three of whom are pregnant and there's maybe three of us that aren't and mm-hmm. I start opening my big, fat, stupid mouth about how you couldn't pay me enough money to go back and do all those (laughs) child rearing years again. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, you idiot. Here are all these women devoting their life to their children. And you're just like, won't do that again. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Shane has the most uncanny ability to say the worst things at the worst moment in public. It's so awesome. It's like watching a train wreck. (laughs) It's just... I do. I really do. I did this. Okay, one small story and then we'll get on topic. I did this to my brother-in-law the other day because he he was the one I was telling you about that loves junk food. And so we were teasing him like, oh, you're the fat kid. You know, that's always just like, oh, my God. No, it was funny. It wasn't my joke. It was somebody else's. Okay. So then we're talking, we're talking and he says something about how he looks and I don't finish the sentence. I, it starts to come out and I was just like, that's because you're fat. And I just stopped talking. Oh my I was like, but I, I was trying to, I was trying to do the fat kid joke that everybody else had been doing. And it would have been funny if I would have gotten it right. But instead I was just like, that's because. I'm They're sorry, all Justin. And you're like the in law. I'm sorry, you know? Justin. Oh, oh my so goodness, bad. Okay. you guys. Sorry. Off topic. Oh, yes. Wow. My, my point is, I have the ability to. Well, that's what to, happens when you've yeah. been in the trenches for 10 years. So, yeah, you shouldn't be unleashed on public full force yet. <laughs> no. Stop talking full stop. Oh, oh gosh. my goodness. So, I guess, you know, if, if, if I think if we're going to talk about uh, life with small children and life in the trenches, then I would really like to start with some encouragement or, I mean, the whole thing is going to be encouraging, I hope so, God willing, and some validation. But I do have really strong feelings about the culture we live in, not giving us and new moms or expectant mothers or mothers of small children um, enough credence, enough acknowledgement uh, to the skill that's required for the job and the workload involved and just an acknowledgement from the community that this is a really daunting task that you've taken on mm-hmm. and it's um, it's going to be more than you expected. It's going to be amazing, but your, your body made a human being and you're you're not done. You're right. going to still continue to create a human being, a functional, kind, decent member of society. Like that does not just happen. And the mother's role in that is so huge. And 
uh, it's it that that human being comes about like it's like fabric. It's it's um woven all the mindless, monotonous days and moments and everything. They play a part in that. And I think that's what life in the trenches feels like. It feels like monotonous and it doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I would love to, it would, it's so sad to me that we don't take women under our wing, new mothers and, and mothers of small kids and say like, this actually is really epic what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. It's not just about baby showers and booties and all the warm fuzzies. Like this is a profound task you are setting out mm-hmm. for. And I think one of the greatest pieces of that that women have to be prepared for is that culturally like you're you're going against the grain Mm -hmm. and and like that just from having a baby you're going against the grain you know it's like it's interesting to me listening to outlander when a woman gets pregnant and you know she quote i'm quoting here like you know gives this man an heir or what like it's a big Mm -hmm. thing for the family name to carry on and you know, it's this rich thing and children are seen as this extension, you know, as this blessing. And mm-hmm. in our culture, they're seen as these expensive little brats who we have to sort of manage. <laughs> sort of like the punchline. They're like the punchline. Yeah. And that's hard. And I think women mm-hmm. need to be prepared for that. Why you feel that tension You know, when you take your kids to the grocery store or you're, you know, you've probably gotten this a lot. Like, how many kids are you going to have? Blah, 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 blah. Stupid things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Know that just by having those children, you're already going to be swimming upstream. And and I think you do have to kind of mentally prepare for that to be like what I see value in and having these children is not what the world sees value in. Mm -hmm. Because. It's going to change. Like you said, it is going to profoundly change your life. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So preparing. I don't know if there's any way you pro- you can properly prepare for the trenches because it comes on you slowly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're there. You try to be prepared. I mean, do you remember getting ready to have your first? Like, what did you do to prepare? <laughs> Oh, I like I thought, well, I'm going to organize my whole life. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I'm just going to get every every drawer, every closet, every aspect of my life ready for this, you know? Um and we had the double whammy cuz Aiden was born with a heart condition, so it was like we had the first few days of newborn euphoria and then chaos when we figured out something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I don't think Everyone was focused on the specialness of it. Like it really, not one person said this could be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Just in and of itself, with never mind the heart condition. But you know, actually, this is—you've gone from being completely independent. We were married for a long time before we had kids, and you're happy to surrender a lot of that independence to this precious human that you love so much, but <clears throat> still not. Um, there's still not an acknowledgement of of that cost, mm-hmm. you know, when you're especially when your hormones are surging and it sometimes it all comes crashing in on you. You're like, oh, my gosh, my life is totally different. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't change it. Mm-hmm. But just processing 
how different everything is and that it's it's not going back. And I'm not like doom and glooming anything. I just think we need to take young moms and say, you hear, you have some support, you know, like yeah. we, this, this could be really challenging. Yeah. And it's always the punchline. It's always that we joke about, you know, wearing the same yoga pants for five days or not washing our hair for 11. Like that, those are the funny, those can be amusing sides of motherhood, but they also can hurt. It can mm-hmm. also feel like you're drowning mm-hmm. and worse. Yeah. I remember when I had two kids and I remember Stu was working, you know, away from the home full time. I was home with them. We were starting this farm financially struggling. And I remember going into a closet. I was writhing in anger because you're dealing with humans who don't speak English. You know, they mm-hmm. don't, their brains aren't formed. They're not following your line of thinking when they're really young. It's maddening. It just is. And I tucked into a closet and I just punched the wall. And I thought, who are you? Who is this person? Like this person never has never come out in your entire life. I've never been an angry mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Never been able, like gotten overwhelmed easily. Nothing. And that was that was kind of this tripping moment for me where I was like, oh, we're in new territory now. The life you knew is gone. And we are. This is this is different now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's just tough. I mean, and it's something I think that's always going to be tough because then as your kids get a little older and it changes and then they say silly things and they do silly things and it's just as maddening. Um, one of the things I will encourage you young moms with um, is to submit to the training time. And the training time is different for all kids. But I know you're going to hit get tired of hearing this because I know people have said this to you before, but it is a season. Mm-hmm. And what you're struggling with now will not be what you're struggling with probably in six months or a year. Those struggles change. And so you do kind of have to ride the wave a bit. Um, and I remember learning this lesson really early with Georgia because when she needed help with something, she would just break down and just weep and get angry. And I would just say, say help, please. Say help, please. Mommy's happy to help you. And then it would be like, say help, please. You know, and <laughs> demons would fly out of my ears. Um, right. we, we did that for 18 months before she would just be like, hey, can you help me with this? Hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, my word. Is this the pace that parenting goes? <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it is a season. And so... Through that training time, moms, your social life is not going to look normal. Right. And, uh, you know, we had a little crazy one. Crazy, crazy. Couldn't trust him anywhere. And there was a point where literally for about six months, Stu had no adult interactions because anytime we would go to church or somebody's house for dinner or a store, he was just eyes on him. Follow him around. Mm. He cannot be trusted. Um, but it was a season. And so these seasons do change. So have some hope in that. 
while you take a sip of coffee. Well, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with newborns. Because mm-hmm. we've, we've okay. had 10 newborns between the two of us. Wow. Yes, let's start yeah. with newborns. <laughs> and I, I think everybody's um, feelings about the newborn phase are different. I have a good friend does not like it. She can't mm-hmm. wait till they're like three months till they're out of it. Me, like, I love it. Mm-hmm. It never lasted long enough for me. Um, that is, you know, you're, you have the euphoria and the, you, ha- you still have the f- euphoria. I'm not saying it wears off, but you have the crashing hormones that are really something to be reckoned with. So give yourself a lot of grace there and educate yourself on what is actually happening to your body mm-hmm. postpartum. Mm-hmm. And um, if there are thoughts, I mean, Shay, you can speak to this. I know yours weren't maybe not like this, but if there are thoughts that are scaring you, ask for help. Yes. Do. Because um, I remember, you know, mine manifested my like postpartum. I was extremely weepy. And I think with the last two kids, like had some anger, just like, gosh, I'm just angry. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even know why, but I know it can get a lot more serious. Um, So if you, if there are, I would just feel like since we have this microphone to be responsible, say that if there are Mm -hmm. thoughts that are scaring you, like just ask for help. Nobody's going to think any less of you. It's totally normal normal. that your hormones do these dreadful things to you. Yeah. It is. And whenever I talk about it, because I have talked about it a lot on the blog, uh, my issues with that, I get so many emails from people thinking mine. I call it postpartum rage. It wasn't sadness. It was mm-hmm. rage. And so many women have said, that's how I felt. But like no one yeah. will say, hey, after you have kids, you might feel ragey. You're just. Yeah, then, that's like not something anybody wants to talk about. Right. So you just think you're rage. a psychopath. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're not a psychopath, but you do need help. And so that's one point of of babyhood starting out that I would point to is let people help you. If they want to bring you meals, let them. If they want to come hold the baby while you shower, fold laundry, whatever, let them yeah. help you. Let them help And everything, you. like at the, from the very beginning, if your doctor or your midwife offers a lactation consultant, take it. And you, even if you think I got this, just take it. Yep. Take all the help you can get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and get some sleep. I remember both my mom and my grandmother, those first few weeks, sleep when the baby sleeps. Mm-hmm. It sounds so simple, but just sleep every time the baby sleeps. Just take advantage of it. Yes. Don't wipe off countertops. Don't fuss with laundry. Sleep when the baby sleeps. Because mm-hmm. your body's going about through sleep. a huge change. Because you and I did things so differently when it comes to infant sleeping, mm-hmm. which is a testament that there's not a right or wrong way to do it. There are lots of different ways to do it. Right. Um, do you want to talk about how you did sleep? With yeah, kids? we need a cough button here. <clears throat> I know. After I after I laughed, <laughs> I'm all like, I know, <laughs> lugified. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I read um, Baby Wise right right after or right like during like the last couple weeks of pregnancy and then right after Aiden was born. And then when I got home from the hospital with him, I had a home birth and I transferred to the hospital. I was like extremely because they took him from me and we'll do birth stories someday. But they took Aiden from me in the hospital, which I was not prepared for. And I was very, very traumatized by like by that. That that was probably I probably had some rage. I was 
extremely angry about that. And so I was very mama lion and I got him home and realized, oh, heck no, he's staying in the bed with me. I'm not. No, he's right here. Like I had him in the bassinet next to the bed. And then I made I remember saying to Joel, could you just turn on the light so I can see him? (laughs) Like I, I was not happy to not see him. And then so he was right next to me. Joel turned on the light, bless his heart, slept with the light on about halfway through the night. I'm like, forget it. He's mine. <laughs> and I just took him and brought him in bed with me. Like, we're done here. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing baby wise. But then I I knew I wanted to do something because I um, was aware of how important sleep habits are for a baby. So I found a book called uh, Happy Baby, Healthy Sleep Habits. It's pretty good size. It's about an inch and a half thick. Burned through it. And I really liked it because it was um, it had a lot of different approaches it talked to uh, nursing mothers, non-nursing mothers, those that wanted to co-sleep, those that didn't, those that wanted to partial co-sleep. So for us with Aiden's heart, it was good for me to have him in bed with us. I had, they don't even make them anymore. They're probably like illegal, but these little like triangle Velcro pads mm-hmm. and he slept in the middle of us. And so it had these pads. So like we couldn't smush him or anything. He was kind of barricaded in, but that way I was able to just have him right there and I could just put my ear over and listen to his heart and see if he was um, having the arrhythmia. So, Mm -hmm. but I loved it. I just loved it. I remember I can still see the moon shining on him in the middle of the night and those times with him in our bed were so magical. I wouldn't trade them for anything. We he napped in his own bed. So when he was one, we transitioned him to his own bed. Um, but it just became this very special thing. And then when I had subsequent children, I thought, well, that's just the way I want to do it. It worked out good. I didn't, I knew from the beginning, I didn't want um, them in the bed with us, like as their only way to go to sleep. I didn't want to have to, you know, be nursing a two year old into oblivion to get them to go to sleep. I wanted a certain amount of boundaries. I wanted a child that could go to sleep, but I didn't want them down the hall. That was where I ended up. And so I felt like that book was very um, accommodating as far as giving me the tools and understand. It really approaches the science of the child's mind, like zero to three months, six to nine months, nine to 18 months, and what their sleep cycle is doing at that time and what they need. And it was very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think children need to be trained to to go to sleep. It's a learned skill, and it's a learned skill. And, we, and so, a lot of moms aren't ta- taught that, and they wonder why their three year old no. is under the dining room table at eleven o'clock at night with their thumb in their mouth and a blankie and won't go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> it's because they yeah. didn't get taught how to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, it's training. It's and especially I think teaching them how to go to sleep. So mm-hmm. we taught our kids early on how to put themselves to sleep which is what they still do. Like they have a bedtime, they go in and they have to put themselves to sleep, which means sometimes they lay there and read. Sometimes they just fidget with themselves, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. put their feet on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like who knows? They have bunk beds. Right. Um, right. But I think the point is have some kind of a rhythm for your family when it comes to sleep. Have a schedule and not yeah. in a super rigid, dogmatic kind of a way, but in a this is what's going to make your family healthier and happier kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Um, we did things a little more strict. I think we I was pretty hardcore about sleep. Um, mm-hmm. I did not like having my babies in bed with me. I could not sleep. I felt like I was going to crush them. 
And so we just kind of did things different. We, the way of our houses have been laid out. The kids have always been just like straight across the hall, you know, four feet away in their own room. They still are like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So it worked for us just to lay them in there and let them put themselves to sleep. And we kind of just followed the eat, wake, sleep cycle, which worked really well for our children. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are against cry it out. We didn't really have to do that. We just kind of from day one followed the eat, wake, sleep, eat, wake, sleep. And they just sort of fell into it and they've been great sleepers. So even now our kids have a strict bedtime, even Georgia and you know, they sleep for 10 to 12 hours a night, depending. Right. And, um, right. and I think that's such a gift to give to your children. It, it's a gift to give your whole family. <laughs> yes. And your husband. And your husband. And your it husband. It really is. And, mm-hmm. and so I would say like, do your research, talk to other moms that have tried different methods. Yeah. But, but I like, it's not just going to happen. Like nope. you're going to have to settle on a routine. Children love routine pick something, do it every night. Yep. And, you know, and it's obviously it's challenging because there's going to be colds and flus. There's going to be teething, you know, there's, there will be bumps in the road. So to have a routine that, you know, you can turn back to after you've navigated through. Yeah. Big time life, you know, time Mm -hmm. is going to be very important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that kind of, you know, segues, perfectly into something that we decided before having kids is that our children, we were going to welcome the children into our life and not vice versa. Um, We do have, it's very interesting while we have a culture that doesn't, I don't think acknowledges the task of motherhood the way it should. Obviously it does, but I don't think to the extent that it should, there's also like youth worship Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, I think a lot of times it's just easy to I see moms just surrender themselves to the child mm-hmm. and in even the marriage to the child. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this youth worship instead of welcoming the baby. And this is the way we do things. This is the routine that we follow. We will still go to grandma's house at Christmas, even if it's a three hour drive. We're not going to play. the. We can't go because we have kids, you know, and they might cry on the way mm-hmm. card. I see that so often where children end up controlling the routine and what the family is able to do. And I think that's really important as whether it's, you know, if you've decided to have your baby sleep with you or like understanding, like here's some boundaries. And you were saying this before we talked like, or before we went live about being in agreement. Can you just like, as far as husband and wife, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So when I sat down with Stu this morning and I told him what our topic was going to be, I was like, help me remember, because I really do, I think, emotionally block out some of those really, really tough times. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, help me remember what it was like when we were in the trenches and what was helpful for us. And he reminded me that we had made an agreement that we were going to sign off on stuff together as a couple, as a married couple in an honoring, respectful team kind of a way. And so, for example, sleep training. I came to Stu and I said, here's what I want to do. Here's why we had discussion about it. And we, you know, tweaked it a little bit to fit with what he wanted. And then we signed off on that together. So we were on Team Elliot. Like we got, this is Team Elliot. Mm -hmm. Here's how Team Mm -hmm. Elliot is going to do sleep training. Um, But the same could be said for anything. 
you know, if we're going to go to grandma's for Christmas, it's not going to be me pulling the card and saying, hey, this these are my parents and we're going and to hell with what you think. No, <laughs> that's not how a team right. works. And so right. this is hard. This is so hard. Let me reiterate. So hard when you have children to have good, positive communication with your spouse because they interrupt everything all the time. (laughs) And I know that it's hard. It takes a lot of effort to communicate well and calmly when you're not at a place of anger or exhaustion. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that is absolutely crucial to navigating those young years. If we're going to do something, be it, are we going to do passies or blankies? Are we going to do playdates? Are we going to do activities? What kind of food are we going to eat? Whatever it may be. We're going to sign off on that together so that when we bring the kid in, it's not mom versus dad. It's mm-hmm. kid joining team Elliot. And here's how this team functions. And that's hard because you're not always going to agree and you're going to have to make compromises. Right. And basically everything we're telling you is going to be hard. It's like the food we talked about on Monday. Guess what? Your right. job description just got bigger. If you wanted to do these things right, I tell you, it's a lot more work initially to sleep train your child. It pays off just like good nutrition pays off. Um, but it, oh, my gosh. One time we put Aiden back in his bed 32 times. <laughs> I was eight and a half months pregnant at 1030. I remember looking at Joel thinking this can't go on much longer. He'll conk out 230 in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Still going. Oh, my gosh. You know, you're going to have all sorts of children, too. You're going to have really compliant children, and you're going to have really strong-willed children. Mm -hmm. He wasn't throwing a fit. He -hmm. wasn't shrieking. He just kept getting out of his bed. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's so much harder to do the right thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Um, But if you're committed to that, that is going to make... If you're committed to putting the work in when you have when you're in the trenches, when you have these little kids, it will pay off. They will pay off. Hold on to that hope. That is a promise. Um, you know, another thing. Uh, I, oh, go ahead. We have a delay. I'm sorry. It's OK. Or something. <clears throat> I feel like I keep talking over you. Well, I was just going to talk about overextension because you talked about like play dates and schedules mm. and things. I don't know if you want to yeah. go that way. Sure. But I do think that. Um, you know, we've talked about that, I think, a handful of times on the podcast about we all know this cliche, right? When you're stressed out and maxed out and you're probably doing too much. And I think, too, um, a lot of moms are overextended and they don't maybe haven't come to terms with what, you know, if you're being, if you're at home with small children, when we say I'm a stay at home mom, (laughs) like I took that really serious. Mm -hmm. No, like I am a stay at home mom. How do you do it? I, at one point I had four kids under six, Mm -hmm. six and under. How do you do it? I'm like, I stay home. Oh, I know. But how do you do it? I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like I stay home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't go anywhere. Like, and not, not to be a martyr, but that was actually less stressful for me than packing them up and trying to hook up with friends and trying to do play dates and try to always be on the go. We just Mm -hmm. 
stayed put. Well, I think part of that is most of the time investing as a homemaker and as a mom into having a house you want to stay at. Yes. If you're constantly trying to find something to get away, you know, today we're going to go to the park and today we're going to do a play date and today we're going to go to the open gym. And not that you can do any of those mm-hmm. things anymore with COVID, but, you know, right. Um, I think <laughs> I know. part of that is just like I, what I want to say to young moms when I see them running ragged like that is just chill out, invest in your home, get, get yes. some musical instruments, get some books out, get toys that, you know have no batteries but require imagination mega blocks wooden blocks whatever moon sand i love moon sand i could play with it for hours as an adult (laughs) um create the type of home that that has stuff to do right create the type of place that's that's creative that you want to play with with your little kids when we were in alabama i had two kids and my friend kate did a once a month gathering at her house once a month and she would buy pastries from the store you know super simple and it was just Mm -hmm. like three moms who would get three or four moms who would get together with our kids and that was our that was our social calendar was like we go to church on Sundays come hell or high water and I go to Kate's play date once a week once a month and that was perfect because you're out there, it's your opportunity to put on a nice blouse or lipstick or whatever. And um, right. and that was it. And moms would say, do you want to come to the park? And I'm like, no, I don't. That's not that's not something I want to do at all. <laughs> I, I hate the park, I hate the park. so much. I hate the park. I dreaded being asked to go to yeah, the park. Yeah, it's not it. fun. Um, so moms, if you're there and you're home... Let me tell you what I still do, habits I created when I had super young kids um, to, to create that space. Music was a big one. I mm-hmm. like relaxing, Frenchy jazz, cafe, instrumental doesn't require anything of me, but puts this certain ambiance into the house. Um, I would like candles, obviously, well up away from little grabbing hands. Um, I would put oils in my diffuser. I still do that every day. And it it's incredible the way that these super small things shift your environment from, oh, we're just at home to we're at home. Isn't this lovely? <laughs> and whether that means baking something or just putting a fire in the fireplace or sitting down and doing reading time with your kids or just sitting down and listening to an audiobook together, um, whatever it may be. And, and this kind of segues into another point that we, had, we were talking about, too, before we went live, which is you have to do these things for your kids. You have to bathe them. You have to get them dressed. You have to clean their rooms. You need to do laundry. You're going to be making meals and grocery shopping. So I would pose the question to you, what is the most enjoyable way that you can do those things? So, for example, cooking meals is way more fun to me when I've got good ingredients, when there's music going. When I've got my whole kitchen vibe going, when I've got a glass of wine poured, you know, and I've got my apron on, that's completely different than like rushing in from a play date at 445 and slapping some chicken tenders in the oven. You know, you can do that, but that's not as much fun. That's not rich and enjoyable. And so what would you say to that? Like, what are what were the ways that you found to to enhance what you what you had to do? Um, I liked there. I felt like four kids was a real changing point. I think things got really difficult or more difficult at four. Um, 
And so that's when I started to get really, really intentional about making things easier on myself and more enjoyable. I've always been the type of person to make things, want to make things pretty and make things enjoyable for me because that's how I stay motivated. Mm -hmm. But (coughs) can you like delete those coughs? They're so I can't delete the coughs, but it's probably because I made you spit coffee out of your nose. Come on. Um, okay, I'm better. It moved. Okay. <laughs> I had to frog in my throat for the last 10 minutes. But at four is when I realized I'm going to have to be really intentional about this or this could get really gnarly. This could get. Yeah. This could get tough, like depressing tough. I had a husband that worked until about 1.30 in the morning. I was on my own, like from noon. So nap times did by myself. Dinner time did by myself. Bathing. hmm meals, bedtime routine, you know, so it was really important. So I actually started, that's when I started doing, like I would cluster things. And I, I did, I, that's the season of my life where I did a lot of batch baking. I did a lot of batch meals. I'd put them in the freezer because there was something about, um, I would do like big cleaning purges. There was something about feeling a little bit ahead. Yeah. That then gave me the freedom to be more creative with the other meals or to give myself a break if the baby or the small child was just having a doozy of a couple days. I didn't feel so behind and it kept me sort of out of this frantic state. That's when I started getting really intentional about flowers on my countertop, a candle Mm -hmm. to light after I got the counters wiped off in the evening. Um, From day one with my children, I played classical classical music almost 24 Mm seven because I just felt it kept even in the hubbub, it kept this peaceful vibe in the house Mm -hmm. and it tuned their ear to it. They all appreciate classical music now, but it was just kind of this atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I was trying to um, maintain, even though I knew there would be surges of, of chaos and wildness and noise and stuff, because that's what happens with children, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm actually having this conversation is really, I have, I'm quiet. I have a lot of memories I know, going that's, through my mind right now. It, they're just have, ticking in my brain right now. They're just like coming through like things I haven't thought about in a long in time. A long time. Um, mm-hmm. Just all those things about how you would get a couple children situated. Yeah. Stay put. Here's a book. Here's something nice to entertain you while you would go nurse the baby, give the bath (laughs) or change a diaper or nurse the baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, just all that, that juggling and there's an art to it. And I, it is mundane. It is day in and day out. It's actually really special. Mm -hmm. Like, and on, this is what you're on that. This is your job right now is. is to keep these, keep them little people safe and entertained. And I think when you start to take in more is when you start freaking out. So whether it's that the the playdates are running here and running there or doing, I, I mm-hmm. would say playdate because I wasn't a playdate person. I'm not trying to beat up people that like playdates, but whether it's saying yes to too many things, um, this is just a really special little intimate time. And if you can serve it like that, mm-hmm. I think you're going to, I think you will enjoy mm-hmm. it. Um, something, you know, we, Something I see just in the even in the church culture is this like demand for mothers to 
to volunteer in the nursery and be a small group leader and attend, you know, this Bible study and Sunday morning church, Sunday evening church, Wednesday night church, you know, volunteer for this, volunteer for that. Um, I was really against that. Mm-hmm. I, I like shut that door with a big fat slam when mm-hmm. I had kids because I became really personally convicted that my mission field as it were, my ministry was at my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. This and is that the task is that I've been sufficient. set to do. That is sufficient, ladies. Like, sufficient. That, yeah. that alone, not that and anything. Running, <laughs> running back and forth to church six times a week mm-hmm. and being gone in the evening just for the sake of a Bible study, like that was not going to work mm-hmm. uh, for me. Mm-hmm. And I've given that advice to a lot of people because we do live in a culture that idolizes busyness and sadly that's even very much pervaded its way into the church Mm -hmm. yeah and you can feel because like you can you should and Stuart always tells me that when we're Mm -hmm. given an opportunity um and he also says every need is not a calling okay so like there was a season where our church needed somebody to teach sunday school for the adults and Mm -hmm. so Stu did it and then it got to the point where it was such a strain on our family And he was just like, I have to listen to what I always tell you, which is every need is not a calling for you specifically. Right. Right. Um, Because you are, we know you're called to something. If you've got kids, you're definitely called to something. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think that's so good. There's a book that I'm going to recommend that was really helpful for me. I unfortunately didn't get it until I was already in the trenches fairly deep. I wish I would have had it before. It's by Rachel Jankovic. And we'll tag it below. It's called Loving the Little Years, Motherhood in the Trenches. Mm. And Oh, that sounds great. It's a great book. It's, you know, Rachel is a Christian, so it's written heavily from that perspective. Just FYI going into it. But one of the things that she really reiterates in the book is that this, uh, well, to quote the book, one of the greatest kindnesses you can do for your kids is to lay out for them clear expectations Moms of littles, your little is not too little to understand. So we still do this. This was something we started when they were very young. So it will go something like this. We're going to Nana Papa's for dinner. Car ride on the way there. Okay, kids. We're going to Nana Papa's. My expectation of you is that when you are given food, even if you don't like it, you say with a smile on your face, thank you. You take bites. You eat what you're given. You clear your plate. You respectfully engage in conversation. There will be no bickering. You know, here's the expectations. Same for church. Same for going into a store. Here's the expectation. We are not getting anything other than what's on our list. So you may not Mm -hmm. ask me for anything else. Those sorts of things. Tell them how, no matter how little they are, Tell them how they can perform to be a good contributing member of the team. And I love that, Rachel, really, it's that whole team mentality. Like you're joining here and it's it is such a kindness for your kids to not be shooting in the dark thinking, how can I please mom? You know, how can I not make mom mad? Right. And it's so much easier for mom just to say, here's my expectation. And is there a dog howling in your house? I, oh. 
Mom's Juliet. Mom's expectation is that you're quiet Juliet. while she's recording her podcast. Good gracious, she's like doing some sort of cartoon character voice right <laughs> underneath me. <laughs> some <laughs> that's good. My my mom used to do that. Mm-hmm. The, it's fine. Just let it go. She used she used to do that. I remember her doing that. Mm-hmm. And and I, subsequently, I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what it's going to look like. We're going to go into Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. We're going to get X Y Z. You're not going to ask me for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you what, I have I have walked out of stores with a full shopping cart, left it in the aisles for a child that needed to be correct handled, <laughs> corrected. Yes. Okay. You, mm-hmm. Be bold, mothers. Mm-hmm. Like and and don't care about what anybody thinks. Everybody's had a child pitch a fit at a store. Yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Now is not the time to worry about appearances. Yes. No. That's true. And actually, we're already over our time. We might need to continue this conversation next week because I think we only covered about a quarter of what was on our list. Yeah. But I think we Shall. To leave people with a smile on their faces, I'm going to do another quote from Rachel's book. Um, Wonderful. So realize that your body is a testimony to the world of God's design. Carry the extra weight joyfully until you can lose it joyfully. Carry the scars joyfully as you carry the fruit of them. Do not resent the damages that your children left on your body. Just like a guitar mellows and sounds better with age and scratches, so your body can more fully praise God having been used for his purposes. So don't resent it. Enjoy it. Isn't that nice? So whenever I complain about my small small boobs to Stuart and my little shrunken little sad things after nursing all my babies, and I'll say it just doesn't feel feminine when you don't have a chest, right? Because yeah. having a chest mm-hmm. is a feminine thing. And he always says to me the same thing. He's just like, your breasts fed and raised four babies for years and years and years. What could possibly be more feminine than that? And then mm-hmm. I cry. And then TMI. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> let's do, let's continue this okay. um, on the next show. Okay. We'll do trenches. Flesh some ideas out a little trenches bit more. Trenches part two. Trenches part two. Okay. Wonderful. All right. So in the meantime, join us over on Instagram yes. at Homemaker Chic Podcast. And tomorrow is Ultra Feminine Friday. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to show us what made you feminine. <laughs> <laughs> no boob shots. <laughs> if you have in your shoe, you know. can. <laughs> <laughs> you can share with us um, what is making you feminine on Friday. Mm-hmm. What's making you feel feminine? So whether it's your favorite dress or a new fall colored apron or your red lips, whatever it is, share that with the hashtag Ultra Feminine Friday, and we will post that in our stories. A lot of people last week. That was really. I know. Fun. I know. I tried to keep going through, and then I got tired. So my finger got tired. I posted a bunch though, but yes, we love everyone who tags it and do uh, be sure to check out the sponsors of today's episode below in the show notes. Go give dry farms a visit dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker sheet and get your wine for a penny, your extra bottle and um, yeah, go about your work joyfully. My friends, even in the trenches, I'm going to go joyfully tell Juliet. <laughs> I'm going to go joyfully remind Juliet of how to be quiet during the podcast. There you go. Joyfully, I'm sure. All right, ladies. We'll talk to you on Monday. Cheers. Cheers.